New life doesn't come from a program. New life comes from Jesus. And this program is designed to point you to Jesus. So I'm thankful that you're here today. My name is John, if you don't know who I am, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here. And I'll start out this morning like I do most every Sunday morning. God is good. And all the time. Find your way to Titus, all right? Titus chapter 3. And and, uh, I appreciate uh, Pastor uh, Chris last week. He launched and started this series in Regeneration. He has been leading this ministry uh, since last March. And uh, so I'm thankful for him and Cassandra and how God is using them in our church. And I'm thankful that he, he taught us last week uh, how to properly greet one another when you're on regen, okay? And so I'm going to reteach us that, see if you remember. So in order to practice, I'm going to count to three, and then I want you to say, hi, John. Are you tracking with me? Just shake your head. You good? All right. One, two, three. Very good. Now, my name is John. I have a new life in Christ. I am recovering for a fear of rejection, people-pleasing, and pride. (laughs) What did Chris say last week? You had one job. Let's try it again. Hello, my name is John. I have a new life in Christ. I am recovering for a fear of rejection, people-pleasing, and pride. You guys got it. Give yourself a hand. Awesome. Glad that you didn't even give yourself a hand. You guys are, I don't know. You're a little nervous, I think. A little nervous. I heard somebody say last week after my dad got up and shared his story. Someone said, I've never, I don't know that I've ever heard a preacher get up and confess their need or their sin or their hang-ups And that's a shame, isn't it? And I know that we come into church and we're like, oh, everybody's good and everybody's perfect, right? How many of you are perfect? (laughs) Just just me, right? I'm the pastor. (laughs) No, we're we're all here's what we all need to understand. We are all sinners. You are messed up. And you could say it back to me if you want. All right. Some of you got it. You're messed up. You can say it back if you want. I am messed up for sure. Ask my son and my wife who are here. I'm messed up. Don't ask my parents. You might get too much information. But region is the gospel. That we are all sinners and we all need freedom. We need freedom from our sin. And freedom for our sin can only be found in the work, in the person of Jesus. And that's why when we sang this song this morning, I speak the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who brings life. In Acts it says, there is no other name in heaven and earth where a man must be saved except the name of of Jesus. And we're not here this morning to try to sell you 12 steps to a better you. This is not a self-help program. This is a discipleship ministry that points you to your need and the reality that you cannot be free from sin apart from the work of Jesus Christ. That you can't have victory over sin apart from the work of Jesus 
Christ. That if I rely on my strength and my goodness and my self-help and my willpower, the reality is I am going to be a bad, bad person. That every single day I need the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life or I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. So this morning what I want to do is I want to, uh, in a moment, we're going to review the three steps or the three biblical foundations that Chris went over last week. I'm going to give you the next three steps or next three biblical foundations, and then we're going to hear another story of somebody in our church who found freedom in confession, freedom in repentance, freedom in sharing what God is doing in their life. In Titus chapter number three, and this is another letter that Paul has written. Paul has written this letter to Titus, and we see in chapter three, Paul is trying to explain to believers, so this is written to believers, it's written to Titus, he shares it with the church, it's written to a group of believers, and he's wanting them to understand how do we live as a follower of Jesus Christ in a world that doesn't follow Jesus Christ. And in this culture, people were far from Christ. The, the, the leaders of the government were far from Christ. The world was far from Christ. In fact, the believers that Paul was writing to would be persecuted because they claimed the name of Jesus. It was a messed up world. Do you think just by chance, possibility that what, what Paul tells Titus, how to live in a messed up world, may have some application for us today? Do you think it maybe does? Is our world messed up a little bit? And the reality, the reason it's messed up is because we're in it. Because <laughs> what did we already declare? You're messed up. And what did you already declare about me? Yeah, I'm, you guys enjoying, some of you are enjoying, <laughs> enjoying that part of the interaction today. I'm not going to say amen, but you're going to say, John's messed up. I like it. Like it. And so he's trying to explain how do we as a follower of Christ walk in light? How do we walk in fellowship? How do we walk in unity? Jesus said that you will, they will know, the world will know that you as a follower of Jesus are his disciples if you love one another, how you love one another. And so in verse number one, Titus says, remind them to be subject to the rulers of the authorities. In other words, the government, remind the followers of Jesus to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. And then he goes on to say, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. We talked about this in Philippians when we walked through our Joy to the World series. And we said, it's impossible for us in church to have unity and community without humility. And Paul says the exact same thing here in these first few verses. And so he's explaining as a follower of Christ how we should live. We should live like Christ. We could simplify verse 1 and 2 by saying, act like Christ. Love God, love your neighbor. All right? And then he says in verse number three, he says, here's, so he gives the explanation of how we should live. And in verse number three, he begins to explain why we should live, how he's described we should live. Look at verse three. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And what Paul is pointing out to the reality is that every one of us are sinners. And every one of us need 
Jesus. And he's reminding these believers because the reality is, is the longer that we, here's the tendency, the longer we are in church, the more we forget what we were like outside of church. The longer we're in church, we begin to fool ourselves that, well, we, we show up, we dress the part, we act the part, we, we know when to say amen, we know when not to say amen, we know when to stand, not to stand, we, we've got it all figured out. And we have a tendency because of that to be filled with pride and self-righteousness. And, and by the way, as Chris said that he had 20 of the 100 plus on his list, it made me challenged to like, go look at mine. And did you hear what I confessed earlier that I'm recovering from? What was the third one if you were listening? Pride. So I'm confessing, I'm prideful today that I only had 19 and Chris had 20, okay? I'm (laughs) confessing that. The reality is 88, pride, self-righteousness. That's me. Because I've been in church my whole life and I've, I've figured it out how to do the things I'm supposed to do. And I can do it on autopilot. I, for the most part, now there's some exceptions, for the most part, I, I can play the Christian game without even opening my Bible. And what Paul is saying is that we all have a tendency, the longer we are in church, to be filled with pride and self-righteousness. And Paul is saying, listen, remember, you are, not, you are not where you are because of how good you are. You are not where you are because you have it all together. You are where you are because of Christ and only because of Christ. Let's keep reading this. He's going to dig a little deeper into this. Why? Why should we act like this? Verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, he's talking about Christ. And then he reminds them, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Again, he's reminded them, just as he said in Ephesians, that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of works. Why? Because we would be prideful. If we could earn our way to Christ, we would be prideful. But he goes on to say it's not of works of righteousness, But according to his mercy, verse 5, he saved us. Are you thankful for the mercy of God today? It is the mercy of God that saved me. It's not my good works because if it's left up to me, I'm going to mess it up. Remember we said a few weeks ago when we were studying the book of Philippians that my good enough is never going to be good enough? And he says here, he saved us, verse 5 still, through the washing of of what's the next word there? Say it out loud. Say it again. New birth. It's the same thing he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You must be born again. How did we start? How did Chris start? Hello, my name is Christ. Uh, my name is Christ. My name is Chris. <laughs> Trust me, Chris is far from Christ. Hello, my name is John, and I have a new life in what? In Christ. What you need to wrestle with this morning, is that you? 
have you had a new life in Christ? Is there a moment you were regenerated, you had a new birth? And Paul is saying that we should walk humbly, love God, love others, because of what God has done for us. That he gave us new life, that he gave us a new standing. Look, look what he says here, it speaks to the standing. So, Regeneration, verse 5, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 6, this is a neat verse because it shows uh, the, the unison and the unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in this one verse. It says, whom, speaking of a person. In verse 6 here, the whom is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it says, whom the Holy Spirit he poured out on us, followers of Jesus, through Jesus Christ. So whom, the Holy Spirit, who's the he in verse number 6? You can say it out loud if you've figured it out. It's God, God the Father. God the Father poured out God the Holy Spirit through God the Son. The moment that you said, the moment that you did the first three steps Chris talked about last week, admitting, believing, and trusting, when I, at the age of 17, admitted I was a sinner and believed that Jesus died for me and confessed that Jesus is Lord, I placed my trust for my salvation, for my regeneration, for my righteousness in the work and the finished work of Jesus Christ. At that very moment, what Paul is saying, that God poured the Holy Spirit on me and in me through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. And why is it so important we sing the song, I speak Jesus? Jesus can give you new life. Jesus can give you hope. Jesus can give you eternal life. Let's keep reading verse number seven. Again, he's continually building his case, and it's almost like he's working backwards here, but he's building his case of why we should walk in the light, why we should love God and love others. Verse seven that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And Paul says that you have been justified. This word justified simply means that you've been declared righteous. Not that you are righteous. You've been declared righteous. You remember a few weeks ago, if you weren't here, you can go back and watch, but a few weeks ago, I, I put on that jacket, and the jacket had all these sins. It could have been, I could have just copied the list of 100 and put all over the jacket. This is, this is me. This is my righteousness. This list here is how righteous I am. Not very righteous. But remember we talked about that big word that God imputed the righteousness of Christ onto me. And, and that's an accounting term that means that Christ's account, his righteousness was put into my account. And when that happened, now what Paul is saying, at that moment that I gave my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit was given to me by God through the work of Jesus Christ, that now I am declared righteous. I am not righteous but God declared me righteous, and then he clothed me. He accounted the righteousness of Christ to me, and my righteousness, my filthy rags, where did they go? On Jesus. And we switched accounts. And he paid my account in full. 
so that as we read, God could declare me righteous. It's not because I'm good. I still mess up every single day. But Paul is saying, if you're going to live like Christ, if you're going to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, let's remember what God did for us. Let's keep reading. We're going to just finish this next verse, verse 8. This is the faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God, so again, we're referencing the Father of Jesus, they should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. What he's saying again is what I'm telling you, hey, Live like Christ. Live like Christ. Now, I'm going to quickly walk through the next three steps because I think what this word or the verbiage in verse 8, that you would maintain good works. Remember, it's God working in you to will and to do his good pleasure. That's what we read in Philippians. It's God working in me. It's me surrendering my life to God every single day, pretty much for me every single day moment, and that as God works in me, I can maintain good works. And I think these next three steps are important for you as a follower of Jesus to maintain good works, to stay in fellowship with God. The relationship with God is never broken. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14, it says that we are sealed, followers of Jesus, at the moment that God poured the Holy Spirit into your life, abundantly as we just read, through the work of Jesus Christ, Paul wrote in Ephesians that at that moment you were sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You cannot lose relationship once you begin, once you became a child of God. But you can hinder the fellowship. And I think these three next steps speak to that. How can I maintain good works? How can I continue to follow Christ in a world that's messed up? The first one is this. This is the fourth step. All right, first admit, believe, trust. Number four is inventory. Dare to acknowledge. Okay, this is dare to look in. It's the, it's the prayer David prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me into the way of everlasting. And so it's this idea. I think the prayer David is saying, search me, O God. See the sin in me is, a, is, is so that he would reveal sin so that David could then confess Sin. All right? So, inventory. This is not easy because we have fooled ourselves. We check the box and we, we know how to play the game. And we need, this is why I think it's important that we pray the prayer David did. Oh, God, search me. Is it possible this morning? I want you to wrestle with this question. Is it possible this morning that you walked into this room with sin you need to confess? Is it possible? It is. Oh, God, then the prayer is this. Oh, God, search, search me. Because left to my own initiative, my own willpower, my own desires, I'm going to fail. Inventory, dare to acknowledge, oh, just maybe I'm not perfect. Number five, confess. Dare to declare. Dare to declare. And we read this last week, 1 John 1, 7 through 9, and we'll... Read it really quickly. Verse, 1 John 1, verse 7. Dare to declare. Verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship. This speaks to the unity in the church. This speaks to confession in the church. It speaks to confession to one another. It's what James was talking about in James 5, 16, that we need to confess one to another that we may be 
healed. There is healing in confessing, my name is John and I am prideful. There's healing in admitting, in confessing. Verse number eight, then it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Again, inventory, check yourself out. Where's the sin? Am I willing to confess? And the truth is not in us. And when we confess it, what does it say? In verse number nine, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it's confession, the fifth step. So I want to take inventory. God reveals sin in my life. When God reveals sin in my life, I confess it. I confess it to God, and I think it's healthy to confess to someone, someone that you can trust. That's what James speaks, that there's healing in confessing to someone. There's accountability. There's fellowship. There's unity. There's humility. It's all these things that Paul's been talking about. All right? Confession, number six, repent. Dare to forsake. And I think sometimes we look at these at the same thing, confession and repentance, and they're not the same. Confession is simply agreeing that you have sinned. Yes, I've done wrong. Repentance is turning in a new direction, to turn from your sin. It's what Paul talked about, flee youthful lust. So we're going to go in one direction, and then we're going to pursue righteousness. Repentance is the next step. Confession is God. Yes, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm in agreement that I'm a prideful person. Repentance is I'm going to be actively involved in turning away from my pride because it doesn't please God. Okay, so repentance is the sixth step. I want to encourage you if last week you were kind of pricked in your heart about maybe I need to look into this ministry and maybe today you're pricked a little more in your heart. I need to look into this discipleship ministry when you leave today, just sign your name up on, on the clipboard. They're just going to give you more information. You're not committing to do it, but you're committing to pray about it, to get more information about it. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. Whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I'm going to invite, uh, as was already mentioned, Good friend of mine, Toby, we've known each other since college. I'm going to invite Toby to come to the stage, and she's going to share her story. What I want you to, to understand in her story is it, it's a model of when we confess and repent to God, God forgives us. Aren't you thankful for God's forgiveness? But when we don't confess in the context of relationship and church with other believers, Satan will use that unconfessed sin to trap us. And we can't live in the abundant life with unconfessed sin. Would you, would you give Toby a hand as she comes and shares this morning? Thank you, Toby. Good morning. Don't forget you have one job. <laughs> Hello, my name is Toby, and I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for anxiety and depression, guilt and shame from abortion. Hi, Toby. Thank you. I was blessed to have been raised in a Christian family. Since the age of five, I attended Hallmark with my parents and my grandparents and experienced a wonderful basis for the upbringing of a child. At 14, I went to youth camp at Singing Hills, New Mexico, and that is where I accepted Christ as my savior and began a true relationship with him. At 17, while at youth camp in Brownwood, Texas, I surrendered to full-time ministry. Everyone was shocked, including me, 
but I did what I knew God was calling me to do. I was active in the youth and always attended church, but I also was what you would lovingly call a wild child, causing a little trouble here and there. In 1991, I attended Baptist Bible College, as it seems about a third of Hallmark may have also done. And eventually the Lord allowed, the, allowed me to serve him in full-time ministry as a pastor's wife for 12 years. On the outside, everything looked rock solid and picture perfect. However, I always carried a dark secret that not even my parents knew about. In 1989, at the age of 17, I discovered that I was pregnant. Unbeknownst to me, I was pregnant at youth camp when I surrendered to full-time ministry. My boyfriend was physically abusive and always in trouble with the law, and in my mind, I simply did not want to make anyone mad. So I made the worst and most regrettable decision of my life. I had an abortion. After it was complete and the reality of what I had done set in, I literally fell to my knees in a parking lot in tears and asked God for forgiveness. The wonderful thing is that he immediately did so. He forgave me right then and right there. The bad thing is Satan is cunning and he knew that he now had ammo to use against me and would not hesitate to use it every chance that he could. Not only was the guilt and shame so difficult to face, but keeping the secret at times became overwhelming. While serving in the ministry, I lived in constant fear that someone would find out what I had done and would have us removed from church. I have spent my entire adult life trying to hide or avoid the subject of abortion, not give an opinion on the topic, or simply do my, my best to deflect to others' sin in hopes of hiding my own. This practice was only self-serving, but very exhausting. I knew in my heart that it was not what God wanted, but I was not strong or brave enough to admit this sin, so hiding it at all costs became necessary, or so I thought. A few years ago, I attended a counselor to discuss some things that had been going on in my previous marriage. It was during these sessions that a topic of my abortion continued to come to the forefront. Through these discussions, I was able to muster the courage to discuss the topic with my children and share with them the truth of my life. I was so fearful that they would think the worst of their mother, but they showed nothing but love and concern for the hurt that I had experienced. Outside of sharing the truth with my spouse, that was the first time that I've been fully open and honest about my past. Now enter Regen. I was familiar with Regen on a basic level, but when I was asked to be part of the pilot program, my very first thought was, who knows my secret? My next thought was, do, they really, do I really wanna face this right now in the midst of so many health issues, dealing with anxiety, depression, medical stuff, but God's timing is never our own. From this moment I was asked to be a part of Regen, I kept hearing the Lord say to me, just be transparent. Through the course of the program that became a personal motto for me as I strive to be real and honest, not only with others but also with myself. It served as a way to encourage me every week to give God my complete focus and let him have his way in me. I knew this would never work if I was not willing to be vulnerable for him. So I spoke openly in the ladies group about my sin and I waited for the looks and gasps of disapproval. But instead, I was met with love, understanding, and support. These women showed no judgment whatsoever. They have prayed for me, with me, and they've even encouraged me to volunteer at the Fort Worth Pregnancy Center. 
Without their support, I'm not sure that I could be standing here today telling my story in front of a group of people, most of which who have known me since I was a little girl and are now finding out what a heathen I am, or at least they're having it confirmed. God reminded me he had already forgiven me of the most horrific act, but that it was Satan that was using it against me with lies and deceit. He reminded me that he is not the author of confusion or pain, and that according to Psalms 34:14, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. All of the sadness, all of the trauma, all of the memories, all of the depression from the sin that I had committed did not come from him. He'd already forgiven me. He'd already forgotten it. I have finally found strength through Christ to open up about my story and share it with others who might be hurting or hiding as well. If this is you, I want to remind you that you are not alone. If this is not your sin, but you're still hurting and carrying a burden that you don't need to carry, I also want to remind you, you're not alone either. Now I have freedom in Christ. My sin no longer holds me captive. Satan no longer holds me captive. I am no longer ashamed, but I am redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. My sins are gone. I have been set free. Regent showed me the pathway to this freedom, and I'm eternally grateful for that peace. There are still, sorry, I can't read through my tears. There are days of sadness and pain, but Christ has reminded me of John 16, 33. I have said these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. My name is Toby, I have a new life in Christ. Thank you for letting me share. Just remain standing. And I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Thank you, Toby, for the courage to share that. I'm convinced today that somebody, several people probably, are struggling with do I tell? Do I confess? It's a secret. And can I say that you cannot get freedom from that bondage until you do? And I asked you the question earlier, have you been regenerated? Do you have you been born again? Have you given your life to Christ? Because there's no freedom from sin. There's no freedom from death. There's no freedom for eternal life until you give your life to Christ. And so what I want to do this morning is just as Chris did last week, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. The prayer is going to allow you to admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died for you, confess or trust that Jesus is Lord. Right now, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to have freedom in Christ, a new birth, right where you're at, would you pray? God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe John 3.16 that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. I believe Jesus died for me. I confess Jesus 
is Lord. If you pray that today, can I encourage you to tell someone about it after church? Grab your phone, scan the QR code, let us know. Fill out the card that's in the pew there. If you're online, just put it in the comments. We just want to celebrate what God has done, that you are a new creation in Christ, that you have an eternal home in heaven. This morning, maybe you have unconfessed sin. Can I tell you that when you give it to God, you will experience his mercy, his grace, his love, his compassion.